This episode is brought to you by Mountain Sea Media. I spent half my life near the Pacific Ocean and the other half in the mountains of Central Oregon. These places are full of profound stories and experiences that guide my life, even now as a media creator and a beer professional. This is how Mountain Sea Media was born. I realized how impactful stories are to our lives and business. Stories share good experiences and the warmth of friends. They improve business by sharing these experiences and connecting deeply with our customers. If you'd like to connect better with your customers through copywriting and storytelling, contact me at jeremy at mountainseamedia.com. It's your story. I'll help you tell it. Welcome to a special mini-series of the Good Beer Matters podcast. These episodes are dedicated to helping the small, regional, large breweries, distributors, importers, as well as on and off-premise businesses in the beer industry survive this pandemic and even thrive once it's over. In this special series, we hear from industry experts to get their take on the biggest challenges and what you can do about it. My guest today is Neil Stewart. Neil has run the marketing helm for industry leaders such as Pabst and Dogfish Head Brewing for the past two decades. He is now the marketing and sales director of Deschutes Brewery in Bend, Oregon. Hey, Neil, thank you very much for joining me on this uh, special uh, podcast uh, for the uh, uh, what to do during the coronavirus. I appreciate your time and, and uh, lending your expertise in the industry with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, first things first, let's talk about uh, what, uh, you, of course, you are now the marketing and sales director for Deschutes Brewery, uh, uh, so I would imagine you're probably drinking a Deschutes beer right now. Um, what what are you drinking? Yeah, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crack it open right now so we can get the full sound effect. Oh, our, our new Wowza Locale Hazy Pale Ale. Which is perfect because since we're all uh, at home trying to figure out how to educate our kids, how to work, how to get our workouts in and not put on yeah. some extra uh, pounds, uh, maybe I'm speaking of myself, um, <laughs> while that might be a good option at this point. Um, yeah, yeah, it is a good option. Um, I found that uh, my watch is telling me I'm not getting in nearly as many steps. <laughs> on certain days when I have a lot of calls, I end up pacing around my office here. And, and one day I, I didn't even leave my office and somehow I had walked three miles. So that must've been a stressful day. Uh, you must've been pacing. Yeah. Yeah. I was pacing <laughs> quite a bit. So trying to get my steps in that way. But, uh, yeah, usually when I'm at the brewery, you know, we have a, a few different buildings and I usually have meetings and all of them and I, I get my steps in that way. So, uh, yeah, this is, this is my, uh, one of the ways we can kind of cut down on calories and carbs. The wowza. Uh, that's perfect. Uh, my my waistline often tells me I'm not getting enough steps in, um, but uh, yeah. But uh, we've been able to get some workouts in uh, just with the time we have. So um, good. Now uh, now I am drinking. Um, uh, this is partly a shameful plug. Partly the beer is just so delicious. But um, uh, I had the uh, the fortune and opportunity to collaborate with you recently on. Uh, on the release of a, a new beer, a new seasonal for you guys called Luna Joe. So I'm drink, I'm yeah. drinking a Luna Joe right now. Um, awesome. Which is a uh, kind of a dark Mexican lager paired with, so, and, and partly I wanted to uh, uh, drink this beer for this episode. A little shout out to not only Deschutes, 
Um, but it was kind of like a little shout out to two and one. Um, so a little shout out to the delicious beer put together by Deschutes, but they also partnered, you also partnered with uh, some other fellow collaborators in here in Central Oregon with the uh, Riff Cold Brewed. And they supplied the cold brewed coffee uh, to go along with this dark Mexican lager. And it actually is delicious. And it's a, I don't know, for me, it's a really good uh, kind of happy hour beer. It kind of perks you up a little bit as well as just kind of uh, sets the tone for uh, the post-work uh, activity. So so here's the Luna Joe and Wowza. Yeah, cheers. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it is a good happy hour beer. One of the things that we've been telling, you know, working from home, uh, or at least more people are working from home is, you know, if you, if you need uh, a little pick me up in the morning and, uh, you know, you, you know, if you want to have a beer, nobody's watching, nobody knows what's in the coffee mug. So no one's, no one's go judging. Ahead and pour a Luna Joe in there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, it will, especially if you're working from home, you don't want to drink while you're working, but like you said, no one's watching. And that's, that's kind of a, I always hit my daytime low about two o'clock. So that's usually when I have my coffee, but you know, if it's a Friday, well, okay. Happy hour starts earlier, uh, on Friday than most days. So Luna Joe's one of those great ones for Friday. Yeah. Perfect. Um, uh, real quick, um, will you just kind of give us a synopsis of, of your background in beer? I mean, I, you, you've worked with some, uh, pretty uh, big companies uh, from coast to coast. Uh, we just kind of dive into that real quick and why you're talking mm-hmm. to us today. Yeah, sure. So, um, well, I'm, I'm from the St. Louis area originally. Growing up, I, I always either wanted to work for the, the St. Louis Cardinals or Anheuser-Busch. Um, so I, I remember you know, driving past the big brewery there as a kid and um, uh, so it was always an aspirational uh, industry for me to get into, and that was uh, definitely solidified during my college years. Um, and I, I ended up doing that a little bit. I worked uh, on the for Anheuser-Busch uh, back in the very late 90s, and um, that was around this, the time where Anheuser-Busch pretty much worked with any agency that was in existence in St. Louis. They, they spread the work around quite a bit, and uh, so I worked for one of those agencies, and and got just enough beer experience um, so that when I decided I wanted to leave St. Louis and and I up and moved uh, on a whim to Austin, Texas, having never been there before, um, but I had a friend that lived there and uh, ended up crashing at his house for a, a pretty full summer and uh, was looking for a job in Austin and came across a job at Pabst Brewing Company, which was based in San Antonio bearings of, you know, Texas is a big state, like how far away is San Antonio? And it's about 80 miles away, 80 miles south. And uh, so I went ahead and applied for that job. And I guess I had just enough beer experience to get an interview. And uh, they called me back and they they offered me this job as a divisional marketing manager uh, down in San Antonio. So um, ended up taking that job, commuted for a bit, and then uh, moved to San Antonio and uh, ended up being there for about six years. Um, and during that time, I worked on every single brand in the Pabst portfolio, which was substantial. So uh, brands like Lone Star, PBR, Old Style, Rainier, Schlitz, uh, Colt 45, Old Milwaukee, um, Ballantine, uh, gosh, Natty Bow, uh, pretty much, you know, every old retro beer you could think of was part of the Pabst portfolio. And, um, you know, the, the, the constant at Pabst was change. And, you know, we had a lot of people come and go in the marketing department. And 
you know, I stayed there and, and worked my way up to uh, marketing director. And, uh, you know, really my claim to fame during that time was um, I was the, the brand manager for PBR when the, the whole resurgence around that brand started to happen. And, uh, you know, really all of that, we can go into another story at a later time, but, but really all that started in, here in Oregon, uh, in, in Portland, Oregon. That's the epicenter of, of where PBR kind of became popular again. From there, you know, Pabst was uh, getting ready to move from San Antonio to Chicago. And um, so, you know, I was, I was considering making that move, but my wife is from Colorado. And I had, I, by that time, I really did have an interest in craft beer. And, and uh, she found a job that was available in Denver for a, a brewery called Flying Dog, which was started in Colorado. And uh, so I ended up taking that job so we could move to her home state and be closer to her family. And so I was marketing director at Flying Dog for, I don't know, three, four years. And, um, from there, let's see, wow, where did I go? Um, I went to, uh, I actually left craft beer. I, uh, I worked at Mike's hard lemonade for a bit. Um, so worked on some of their innovation brands. Um, I worked for a marketing agency based in Colorado called the integer group and, uh, Miller Coors was our client. And, uh, I had a little stint outside of the beer industry. And then, uh, all of a sudden, a friend of mine called me one day and said, hey, did you know the lead marketing job at Dogfish Head is available? And, uh, you know, kind of thinking back to my craft beer days, I wanted to get back in, into it. And uh, Dogfish was always a brewery that I admired. And uh, so I threw my hat in the ring for that. You know, obviously Dogfish is based in, in Delaware, and uh, we lived in Denver. Uh, but it, it was good timing for us. If we wanted to move, we could. So uh, we moved to the East Coast. And I spent five years at Dogfish, had a, a great time there, um, you know, did some, some really interesting projects during that time. And then, um, yeah, we, we wanted to move back out to the Western United States. So about a year ago, uh, maybe a little bit over, um, started uh, talking to the people here at Deschutes. And, uh, you know, if you get the opportunity to move to Bend, Oregon, not too many people turn that down and, and I wasn't going to either. So, uh, yeah, the VP of marketing job here at, at Deschutes was available. And uh, so, yeah, did that for, I don't know, six to eight months or so. And then uh, a few months ago, uh, took over also leading our sales team. Um, and I'd always been involved with sales, you know, in, in all of my beer jobs. But, um, you know, this is this is the first time where I'm, I'm leading a, a sales team and, and having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, so basically, to put a cap on all of that, you spent quite a bit of time uh, in and circling around the beer biz in a lot of different capacities, uh, in literally mm -hmm. coast to coast. Um, and, and so, that, and that really is a big reason why I wanted to talk to you about this specific uh, adaptation of the Good Beer Matters podcast. Um, you know, I see this little mini series uh, really to really speak to the the small, the regional, the large breweries like yourself, the uh, distributors, mm -hmm. importers, um, anyone of, uh, in the some aspect of the beer biz who's affected by this, um, which is to say everyone's affected by this, but um, yeah. but in the beer biz. But since you have worked uh, in, in particularly a national and and international brewery. Um, I think we'll we'll speak to that. But if you have any advice, yep. especially for the regional and the smaller breweries who are just hanging on, um, so I kind of want to kind of go into that with that particular lens. But yeah. 
but of all the different challenges that a a beer business is could be facing right now, from your perspective, what do you see is probably the most challenging at this point? Oh wow, there's so many. Um, I, I think the challenge is to really assess your business and and very quickly get an understanding of what the need to haves are and the nice to haves are. And, um, you know, that changes relative to the times. And so right now the filter of, you know, what projects, whether that's a CapEx project in the brewery or uh, a marketing investment or hiring more salespeople, um, that filter of which you put those decisions through is going to be quite a bit thicker today than it was, you know, even two months ago. Um, so you, you got to get a lot of clarity on what the need to have is and what the nice to have are. Um, what I would recommend is, is, you know, for the time being until we know where this is going, um, really break your business down into its most simplistic form and focus on those need to haves. And, um, and then once we get through this, which we will, um, then you could start to open things back up again. But for right now, we don't know where the business is going, specifically in the on-premise channel. Um, and I, I talked to the team about this quite a bit. You know, first of all, we don't know when on-premise is opening back up again. We all, you know, uh, watch the news and, and read the, the, the forecasts of when we think that might happen. We all have an opinion, but we don't know. We don't know how consumers are going to react to um, you know, shelter in place being opened back up and what does social distancing look like in bars and restaurants and brew pubs moving forward? What does consumption look like? Um, how, how many, uh, people will be permitted in, you know, a space versus what, what it was before. So there's a lot of unknowns and until we start to, to piece those, those answers together, um, I would recommend having a very conservative approach towards your business and your expenses right now. And, you know, kind of reading some of the, the, at least the beer news in this, you know, particular regard, it appears like uh, uh, keg sales for on-premise has absolutely tanked and to put it, uh, to put it honestly, but, Mm -hmm. but I just also read that according to to Nielsen, there's, there's double digit growth in off-premise, basically grocery stores and everything else. People are still buying beer. They're just, they're just not drinking it out there uh, for obvious reason. But is that to say that, um, you know, you're focusing on the nice to haves. You're focusing on the bottom line, but is there still um, value in planting those seeds so uh, for a future harvest? Oh yeah, for sure. You know, you, you have to be living in the today, but you also have to be setting the foundation for the future. Yeah, you you can't just start living, you know, paycheck to paycheck right now. You you have to maintain strategy, but your strategy may have evolved. And um, you're right. I mean, keg sales are uh, essentially zero right now. Um, and it depends on, you know, how much of your your mix is, is dedicated towards the on-premise to determine how much does that, that uptick in sales and the off-premise help you. Um, so even a double-digit, you know, increase, and we've kind of seen it, you know, somewhere between uh, 10 and 30%, depending on the week, the last four weeks. But, you know, if, uh, you know, call it 30% or more of your business is in the on-premise, it's probably not making it up for you. Um, 
So, yeah, you know, you got to think about what that's what, what all of this looks like when um, when on premise does open back up. And, you know, we love seeing those off premise numbers increasing. But, um, yeah, it, it all comes down to what is your percentage of business in each channel. Uh, so it, being a larger brewer, um, you guys, um, Deschutes is still one of the, the main national breweries, uh, craft breweries in the country. Um, what do you think is the likely scenario uh, when when this is all said and done? Like you said, we will get out of this. And history shows that life does move on after mm-hmm. the recession, after the depression, after wars. This will just be a a different a blip on the uh, history books, uh, given enough time. But what do you think the likely scenario will be for the um, businesses like Deschutes and even smaller coming yeah. out of this? Um, well, I have a few predictions. Um, in, in terms of how people react when, you know, the lockdown or shelter in place, whatever you want to call it, is lifted, I, I think people are going to go out in droves. And I think bars and restaurants are going to be crowded. And I think if that happens in the next uh, 60 to 75 days, um, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, local and state governments regulate that, if at all, um, you know, in terms of how many people are allowed in an establishment. You know, the, the shelter in place could be lifted before, you know, those government institutions have a chance to really think about uh, how they should regulate that. And the reason why I believe that is if you look at even at China, you know, when uh, when their lockdown was lifted, they showed photos of, you know, national parks and monuments and people went out like crazy. Um, so, and, and uh, you know, I've been riding my bike around Bend here and, you know, the weather here was was phenomenal over the weekend and, and people were out in their front yards. I saw some people not tightly congregated in parks, but they were sitting out in parks People are raring to go. They want to go out and do something. And um, uh, so I, I, I do think that they're going to go out quite a bit. Now, whether that sustains itself or not, that's the, that's the question I don't know. Um, you know, after that uh, initial blip, um, how much do they continue to go out to bars and restaurants? I think that that might be more affected by the economy more so than, um, you know, the, the, the fears of, of spread, spreading the virus. Whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. I, I, I have, I guess, I have an opinion on it. Uh, I'd like to see people continuing to practice social distancing until we have this thing really uh, uh, under control. But um, I think the, the the economic factors are going to dictate the sustainability over the long term. Um, in terms of buying habits, you know, I, what we're seeing already is a, a move back to, you know, trusted brands, trusted styles. Um, I, and I think there are two reasons for that. Number one, you know, people aren't going to the store nearly as much as they used to. So when they're buying something, they're just not in the mood to take a risk. They're buying whatever they think, whatever they know, not what they think, what, what they know they like, you know, even if that means that they got to give in on variety, so be it. They just want to make sure that they have the right snack or the right frozen pizza or the right beer. They, they don't want to make a mistake. And I think the other thing that's happening is uh, shoppers are trying to get in and out of stores as quickly as possible. So, you know, believe me, I love roaming up and down the beer aisle and, and, and spending 20 minutes picking out the right six pack. Um, it's, you know, I, I'm probably kind of weird, but I think probably a lot of people who are listening to this podcast will understand that, you know, that that's part of the fun. 
but right now, people aren't, aren't doing that. They're not roaming up and down that beer aisle. They're going in there. They're saying, all right, I want to get out of the store as fast as possible. So again, they're going to what they know and they trust. And I think that that's probably going to continue. I think um, we're also going to see distributors probably narrowing down the number of SKUs that they're carrying. They're, they're going to be um, uh, interested in, in simplifying their business, and their business gets more difficult as they have more SKUs and more brands. So I think we're going to see a simplification uh, throughout the entire supply chain uh, of, the, of the beer industry. So uh, the, the, an analogy that has been used for the past couple decades within the craft beer world is the rising tide raises all the ships. Um, mm-hmm. Now it seems like with this current pandemic situation that there's a bit of a tidal wave that is going to uh, sink all those uh, ships that are not as seaworthy as others, uh, to continue with that metaphor. Um, mm-hmm. uh, do you? Uh, it sounds like what you were just talking about um, has to do with, uh, you know, well, I'm going to project a little bit, but it's, uh, I think it's a, um, I think everyone feels the same way. There will be some restaurants, some breweries that will not survive. Uh, even the Brewers Association predicted uh, like the yeah. 40 some percent of breweries may not survive this. Um, so uh, are you saying that you see a little bit more of a consolidation, a little bit less of this uh, cavalier um, approach to innovation and more of just kind of getting back to our craft beer roots? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I'll use a phrase that I used a couple weeks ago, which is, um, yeah, you know, the, the craft beer industry is not going to be as exciting as it was in previous years. For the time being, we've probably seen a peak in terms of, uh, well, I'm trying to figure out the right way to say this, Um, because breweries will continue to be innovative, but we're not going to see them as prolifically innovative as they have been in the past. We've probably seen a peak in terms of the number of different types of beers that are available in the market. And I'm, I'm considering the entire market from, you know, buying it off-premise to buying it on-premise to buying it, you know, in a brewery's owned and operated properties. So I, I think we're going to see breweries get a lot more disciplined, uh, not only from their expenditure standpoint, which I was talking about earlier, knowing what the nice to have versus the need to have is, but I think that they're probably going to say, all right, I, we need to focus on, uh, on fewer brands here and we need to build these brands because that's, that's what consumers and the trade are telling us. And that might be a, a very welcome washout, if you, if you will, um, because mm-hmm. all the innovation and all the brand new beers and different versions of the same hazy IPA, those are fun. But it, frankly, it must be exhausting for, it must be exhausting for consumers and flat out expensive for breweries just to keep up. It is, yeah. You know, the um, the efficiency of a brewery, you know, really declines every time you add another beer to the portfolio. So um, as breweries, small breweries are going to, you know, maybe encounter, you know, hopefully they're encountering, you know, capacity restraints um, because they're selling some. But, um, you know, the the availability of capital in the market is not going to be there as it once was. It's not going to be as easy to find an investor or take out a loan to install new tanks. So you're going to have to squeeze more profitability out of your existing facility. One way to do that is by getting very focused 
on what brands you're brewing. And, um, you know, that has a, a pretty uh, significant impact on, on everything from, you know, uh, packaging design cost to raw materials to tank space um, to institutional knowledge of how to brew those beers. So there is a business benefit for getting more focused. Um, you know, in the craft brewing industry, we have this theory <laughs> that uh, on the surface makes a lot of sense. The more beers you brew, the more opportunity you have to sell. But the, the problem is that it, what is, the, the counterintuitive is really the right answer. Getting focused on, on fewer brands actually results in, in, better, um, in better sales. And that that sounds very similar to the uh, conversation about multitasking used to be held as the the way to do things, yeah. and and now we're learning that no, you're actually less productive when you multitask than when you just focus and do one thing and do it really well. That's a great analogy, and I'm totally going to steal that from you. It's all yours, uh, <laughs> but but I have I have an audio recording that it was mine. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's going to cost you one of those cases of beer you were talking about. You got it. That's worth it. <laughs> um, now, for uh, to kind of get back on script a little bit, um, you're talking toward specifically breweries that occupy that same national brand space, like Deschutes and Dogfish Head and Sierra Nevada and the like, um, these are these are breweries with a vast footprint. Um, and and from the outside looking in, one would imagine there's there are resources to uh, help one weather a storm such as this. Um, and if that's wrong, please speak to that. But um, speaking to breweries that are regional, smaller, um, and those who are just you know, the mom and pop brewery down the street that's just hanging on, what advice do you have for the breweries of your size and smaller to help them survive and to set themselves up to thrive as we come out of this craziness? Yeah, uh, well, that's a great question. Um, we've kind of hit on a couple of the points, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in, in having a plan and, um, and, and being very thoughtful. I think one of the best investments you can make if you, if you don't have um, a great format or structure for your strategic plan, find someone who knows how to do that and, um, and invest in that um, and learn how to do it yourself. Uh, it's not something that you need to uh, invest in over and over, but definitely, you know, take an online class, uh, hire a consultant that knows how to do that, um, and and get uh, a really good strategy and plan in place, and then be disciplined enough to execute it. Uh, if you if you don't have your plan written down and you don't have your strategy, um, you know, kind of uh, galvanized throughout your entire organization. You're, you're just going to continue, you know, living, as I call it, paycheck to paycheck. Um, you know, and I, I think an investment in something like that is, is, is worth it, especially when, you know, we're all investing in, you know, some of the, 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 the marketing elements and, like I said, packaging design. And packaging design is important, but, you know, you, 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 you got to kind of walk before you run. And the walking is, is the foundational, you know, strategy and, and plan of the company. So get that in place. Uh, make sure that your entire company is absolutely clear on that and understands the plan. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, we, ha we have so many great people in this industry that are, that are so energetic about, you know, the product itself and, and, uh, and, and the marketing side of it. Um, but where they, where they 
don't do as good of a job as they need to is kind of building the internal advocates that you need before you get the external advocates. So getting everyone on board with your, your strategy and your plan um, is, is just absolutely critical, especially in, in this kind of environment where, uh, you know, quite honestly, people are, are afraid. They don't know what what is going to be the outlook on, you know, of the economy in the next uh, 12 to 24 months. Um, so uh, having them really bought into, uh, again, your strategy and your plan is, uh, is an absolute must. Perfect. And I'm going to steal that one from you. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, so we're even now. Uh, but I think that would be wise. I think it's safe to say that there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of uh, distraction, uh, especially yeah. um, especially uh, my wife and I are at home from our respective work and trying to educate kids and trying to keep everything going. So to, to say that I'm going to work on my business of, of writing and everything else, um, th- yeah, it, it, it's not quite the same as it once was. So I think right. getting refocusing, doubling down um, and focusing on that strategy, strategy, coming up with a plan and executing the plan uh, right now um, is, I think, is vital because anyone who studied history um, past eighth grade knows that life goes on after these hardships, and and so we need to be ready for when that time comes. Um, yeah, and and you got to have that strategy on paper. It doesn't count when it's just in your head, because a lot of things make sense in our head, but not when we put it on paper. So you got to put it on paper, and um, and your strategy needs to clearly articulate how you're going to win. That's all strategy is. I, I learned this from one of my my mentors in this business, because a lot of people will, will get confused on strategy and tactics. But strategy has to clearly articulate what path you're choosing to win. Fantastic. Uh, uh, what? Where can people connect with uh, you or Deschutes and uh, essentially follow your lead as we uh, eventually head out of this pandemic? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, you can follow Deschutes on, you know, all of our normal social media platforms. Um, So, you know, I'm sure we're pretty easy to find there. Uh, As far as uh, me, uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm kind of active on social media platforms as well. So uh, just Neil Stewart on Twitter and Instagram. And, uh, you know, I, I post a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. Um, so, uh, take a look for me there. Um, and I'm, I guess if I'm saying this out loud, this means I have to do it, but <laughs> I'm also starting my own podcast. So Jeremy, maybe I'll invite you to be a guest. Um, but I'm planning to launch that sometime, uh, in, in mid May. And, uh, my podcast is going to be mostly about, uh, uh, it's going to be called, Hey, let's talk shop. So it's mostly about marketing and, and design and, uh, sales strategies. And then, uh, occasionally just kind of talking about beer. So, uh, you, hopefully you can find me there. That, that sounds exciting. I can't wait to hear more about it. Um, uh, as we, before we uh, sign off, uh, do you have any final words of wisdom or advice? Um, just everybody hang in there, you know, um, we're, we're going to get through this, um, I had, I had a friend that I talked to today who uh, um, is, uh, I'll just say, someone who, whose opinion I trust because of the line of work that they're in. And he said that uh, there is light at the end of the, in the early part of the summer. Uh, life may not go back to normal immediately. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a process. But there is a time ahead of us where um, we're going to look back on this and, and it's going to be a distant memory. So we will get there. Um, but we got to stay positive and, uh, 
And please, uh, for the time being, let's all practice the social distancing that we know is uh, helping us uh, flatten the curve. Thank you so much for coming on this. Yeah, thank you. Enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the special mini-series of the Good Beer Matters podcast. I hope it was helpful, and I can't wait to have a beer with you out in public again soon. Until then, cheers. Cheers.